Welcome to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. You're listening to Faith FM Radio. Yeah. How are you feeling today? I am feeling pretty stoked because this was a very assignment-heavy week for me. Um, so I had three assignments So you must be stoked because it's over or something. Because I can't imagine being just stoked today, while that's going like, on. Just before I came to the show, I submitted my last one this week. Woo! So Woo! I was just like, oh, the pressure is gone. <laughs> I can enjoy the show. This is good. Excellent. So praise God, I got them done. God yeah. is good. God yeah. is very, that's a huge blessing. Yeah, definitely. I had a blessing today. Uh, you, you know, have you ever noticed that sometimes blessings are preceded by stupidity? You ever notice that? Like like our own stupidity? Maybe You're not sure? Explain. Okay, let me explain. Let me explain. <laughs> so to today, today I was like, you know what? I'm going to wear my footy shorts. Now, footy shorts don't have pockets. Mm-hmm. I'm wearing footy shorts because it's a beautiful, lovely, sunny day, and I had stuff to do, and it was hot. So I was wearing my footy shorts, and I thought, oh, I've got to go to the grocery store before I do this next thing. And so I get to the grocery store, and I put my keys on the dashboard, and I thought to myself, Robbie. Why would you put your keys on the dashboard? Is that what you thought? It is what I thought. This is a dumb idea. You never do this. You'll forget them. I was like, well, I don't have any pockets because they're footy shorts. And so I proceeded to gather my things to go into the store. And then I got out and I closed the door and I went, oh, no, my keys are still on the dash. Yeah. And I went, oh, this is terrible. And uh, anyway, long story short is I prayed the window was cracked open, and I found some dry, dead bushes near my car. <laughs> Excellent. And this is good news. So, see, this was this was kind of stupidity. I knew I shouldn't have left my keys on the dash in the mm-hmm. first place. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I went and I found this stick, and I was like, please, Lord, let this stick work so I can get my keys out. and Don't let me drop it so that it lands too far for me to reach because I don't have my phone on me. It's yeah, all yeah, in the car. Yeah. And I've got, I'm already late for an appointment. Mm-hmm. So I get, I get this branch. And I stick it in and it's too short. So I go and I find a second branch and I get it in there and it, it just reaches the keys. And I've got one of those, you know those, you know those things on your window that, that kind of keep the rain from getting in? They're like a, like a, like a oh, window shield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, those things are terrible. I always thought they were a little strange. They, but it made it really hard to get the stick in the door. Yeah, it made it really hard to get the stick through the window though. <laughs> I almost ripped it off. But anyway, I didn't. I, I kept control of my temper and I stuck this thing in and I got this, I got the keys and I got it out. And I pulled it out, unlocked the car, praise and it was God. all good. So praise so the Lord. Good. That was an answer to prayer. But so sometimes good. blessings are preceded by stupidity. Yeah. Well, I just, I shouldn't maybe, have done that. That was maybe silly. Maybe actually <laughs> blessings are there all the time. And even if we're being stupid, it's just like God's like, ah, oh, I was going to bless you anyway, but I have to bless you in a different way now. <laughs> by the way, can we just appreciate the little pun that we had in there where you said long story short. And, and then I it was, was long. I was, no, I was thinking about your shorts. Oh, that's good. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> we've got 10 seconds before the break. So this is going to be a great show for you guys. Today we're going to be looking at a famous woman from the Bible. Her name is Rahab, and we're going to hear from our friend Abel for the Testify segment. You won't want to miss it. This is Kemi Ogendi, Around the Bend. It all make sense in the end But here's to hoping that somehow something good's around the bend Lately Your room's been darker than it used to is harder than it needs to be to get by Maybe those scars are deeper than they seem to be That path is steeper than appears to be Though you try Now I'm not for 
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. You're listening to Faith FM Radio. And I just wanted to put out there, guys, we love when we get to a chance to hear from you. So if you guys have any questions that you've been wondering about, about God, about Jesus, about the Bible, etc., about spiritual life, uh, we'd love to hear from you. So you can call in with questions by calling 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. You can also text in at 0491-064-669, and you can also shoot us a message on our Facebook page, Faith FM Australia. Yeah. So it's now come the time of the day to go through what a weird and wonderful world that God has blessed us with. Mm -hmm. So what do you have for us today, Beck? Because you gave me like a sneaky hint. So we've been running this health program (laughs) at our local church in uh, called Coast Life Adventist Church over on the Lake Macquarie, East Lake Macquarie region. And we, we've, in this health program, she said something about bees. So I'm wondering if bees are going to come up today. That's my, that's my guess. I might be wrong. I'm not a prophet. But uh, let's hear it. Well, Robbie, you are wrong because <laughs> I was like, I think maybe. it's because you gave me a false hint. No, no. It was because <laughs> in my, my thought, I was like sitting there and we're having honey and I was like, I could do one about bees. Should I do it about bees? And then we talked about something else. So it was just a thought process. We have, in fact, moved on to something different. We are looking today at amazing facts wonderful things about some people. I actually was like, oh, I want to share some stories about people, some people doing amazing things. And this is a story that I found, which was so cool. And I checked it on a few websites just to see in India, there's a particular village. And what happened was very sad. This um, man who was a father in the village, he lost his daughter. She was 11 years old and she died. And he wanted, he thought, well, I want to plant a tree to remember her. And something that that in India they really struggle with is um, they have a problem with 
females being born, they much prefer males in that society. And so they struggle um, with infanticide, you know, and, and those sort of issues of females. Wow, that's full on. And so what happened then is he started sort of a revolution uh, in his village. And now what they do, every time a daughter or a girl is born, they plant 111 trees. And so there's been like little documentaries on this. And 111? So the, the whole village, they plant 111 trees. And so it's supposed to bring joy and enthusiasm and now they're excited when girls are born. That's and awesome. It was amazing. So every time there's a baby girl born, they plant these trees. That's so cool. And this is something that he said, which I just wanted to quote. He said, our region was battling water crisis when we started this project in 2005. The lack of green cover was adding to it, so we thought of adding a green grass cover to increase water levels. We thought this way we could associate a girl's birth with an opportunity to plant trees, which could yield us great benefits and also eradicate the taboo of a birth of a girl child. And I thought that was so cool because today the saplings have converted to trees. The trees have increased the water levels in the area and have also helped the local farmers. And now everybody in the village is excited when a baby girl is born. That's epic. That's yeah, so good. That was so cool. That was just something that I thought was a really awesome thing that people were doing and what wonderful things we can do to increase things in our world. And this is a small area in India, but he's impacting his world. And it's just so cool, the things that we can do as individuals to impact the world around us. I love that. And I think it's important to remember that just because an impact doesn't seem to be on a grand scale doesn't mean it's in, that it's insignificant. Mm-hmm. You know, there's. I don't know if I told this story recently, so hopefully I'm not doubling up, but there was... I remember hearing this story about this kid who's walking along and there's thousands of sea stars washed up on the beach and they're dying because they're out of the water. And so he starts throwing them back one by one. And somebody yells out to him and says, what are you doing? It's hopeless. It's useless. There's thousands. You'll never get them all back in. And the kid picks one up and he says, mattered to this one. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, made a difference to that one. That's yeah. a, it's a powerful thing. Absolutely. I think that's something um, which can be such a blessing. And this is something that I shared actually with Robbie earlier this week, but I just wanted to share it and I looked into it a little bit deeper. In Australia, something that this gentleman did, his name was Don Ritchie. He passed a couple of years ago. Um, so he was dubbed, that title he was given is the Angel of the Gap. And so for almost 50 years, he lived opposite um the edge of the gap which is 50 meters from his home in watson's bay and this is a place where sometimes people would go to try and commit suicide um and he would see these people he would approach them and he would ask them is there something i can do to help you and then he said come in for a drink come in for breakfast he would invite people back to his home he could see them from where he was um and he received the order of australia and it's estimated he officially he rescued 160 people from suicide over a 45-year period, but it might have been up to 400 people. And so for me, that was just something that's amazing. This man decided he could do something in the area where he lived and it could be a blessing, and he just went out one person by one person. It's amazing, isn't it? Because really, it's like the journey of a thousand steps begins with one step, yeah. right? The journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. And making a difference in the world starts with one person, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Absolutely. And I think that that's lessons for us. You know, what can you do? Can you plant trees? Can you change your community by doing that? Um, can you go and talk to somebody? That's not that hard. Talking with someone who needs help, um, referring them on to someone. So I was just thinking, what can you do this week uh, that can be a blessing to those around you and can maybe just share a little bit of Jesus in their lives? That's awesome. No, thanks so much for sharing that, Beck. It's really good food for thought. I love the idea that even the small things that we do to make an impact in another real person's real life 
can actually save a life. It can make a huge difference. This is Gaither Vocal Band. I'm going to sing. As long as it takes for a song to make sad, heavy spirits free I'm gonna keep making music that carries the secret that Jesus is liberty I'm gonna turn off the sound that would drag people down to the pit of despondency With a sweet, happy tune, He is coming soon for His children like you and me Along through the dentist of foggy nights And a tune is the rope that can throw a man hope When he's going down for the third time It's a sweet melody that can cut your heart free From the chains of a past defeat You can suddenly see through the sweet harmony A path for your wandering feet I'm gonna sing just as long as it takes For a song to make sad, heavy spirits free I'm gonna keep making music that carries the secret that Jesus is liberty I'm gonna turn off the sounds that would drag people down to the pit of despondency With a sweet happy tune, He is coming soon for His children like you and me Don't tell me the world is a hopeless old place and I might as well just give in to the doom and gloom, life's a waiting room for the blow that'll do us all in. I can't sympathize when before my eyes is a hope shining bright as day. I gotta follow the song that keeps drawing me on with my feet dancing all the way. I'm gonna sing just as long as it takes for a song to make sad, heavy spirits free. I'm gonna keep making music that carries the secret that Jesus is liberty. I'm gonna turn off the sounds that would drag people down to the pit of despondency. With a sweet happy tune, He is coming soon for His children like you and me. I'm gonna sing just as long as it takes for a song to make sad, heavy spirits free. I'm gonna keep making music that carries the secret that Jesus is liberty. I'm gonna turn off the sounds that would drag people down to the pit of despondency. With a sweet happy tune, He is coming soon for His children like you and me. Yeah, with a sweet happy tune, He is coming soon for His children like you and me. Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. We've come to that portion of the show where we go through our Testify segment. And uh, we've got our friend Abel Yorgalescu in here for a bit of a, a time to share. So thank you for coming on, Abel. Welcome. Hey, Robbie, thanks for having me, Beck. Yeah. Good to, good to be here. And I'm really impressed. You knew how to say my surname. <laughs> yeah. I, I know. I, it's hard to believe an American can say anything that's not just American English, but such is life. 
We learn as we go, right? Yes, yes. No, super pleased to have you here. So speaking of that, where, where are you originally from? So look, I was born in Romania uh, many, many years ago. Many years ago. Yes, You're not, yes. You don't look that old, but it's all right. <laughs> yeah, look, I was privileged to, to be raised in a Christian family. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm the youngest of four boys and yeah, very, very blessed with amazing parents and siblings. But also I was very privileged to move to Australia in, um, in 2006 now, I think. Yeah, when uh, when I married my beautiful wife, and since then it's been just an amazing journey of exploring Australia and mm-hmm. working here. Currently, I live in uh, in a part of Lake Macquarie called Kurumbong. And, Excellent. Uh, yes, yes, and uh, currently working at the North New South Wales Seven Day Adventist Conference office as the general secretary. Awesome. So, so we're all very blessed in this space by what you do. We appreciate. I, I literally was blessed by uh, you heading out a meeting that got us approval to do our vacation Bible school that we're running in the county. Happy, so happy to help when we that. can. Um, but we brought you on today, not just to talk about mm. the things that you're doing, but to talk more importantly about yes. something that God has done in your life. Mm. So I'd love to hear a story from you about a way that God's demonstrated his faithfulness to you. Mm. Oh, look, I know, and I, back, you know, and Robbie, God is so faithful, even when we are not faithful. And one of the verses I want to share with you, with those that are listening, and then I'll, I'll share a bit of my story. Uh, comes from Isaiah chapter 65, verse 24, and it says this, It shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. Oh, beautiful. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. Mm. And this is so amazing. I just love this aspect about the God that we worship, the God we serve, that even before we call, He's got the answer in mind. He's Amen. already ahead. He's got, he's got the solution. So I'm going to tell you a story about... Um, it happened just before COVID, you know, hit Australia. It was that time, if you still remember, when we were allowed to fly in Australia. Can you still remember that time? <laughs> yeah. Seems like forever ago, but there was a time this year when I was flying. Yeah. And, um, and I was scheduled to, 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 you know, to jump on board to, on a flight from Newcastle to Melbourne. So the flight was scheduled to take off in the morning at 6 a.m., and uh, be in Melbourne for the whole day for meetings and then return at night time. Now, something that happened to me the night before, which has never happened before and ever since, I forgot to set up the alarm. Wow. So I can wake You've up. You've never done that before? I've never wow. done that before. Wow, that's crazy. Yes, yes, I've never done that before except for that particular night because my plan was this, wake up at about 3 o'clock in the morning, have time to you know, talk to God, commit myself into His hands for the day that was ahead of me, get in time at the airport, be there about 5 mm-hmm. so I can board the plane, 5.30, and then take off. The plane was going to take off at 6 o'clock in the morning. So I forgot to set the alarm. And my normal alarm went off, and that was just 5 o'clock in the oh, morning. No. Oh, no. <laughs> it was the time when I was planning to already be at the airport. Uh-huh. And like for oh, ten- that's such a gut-wrenching feeling. <laughs> <laughs> it took me about 10 seconds to realize, I've stuffed it up big time, you know. <laughs> What's going to happen next? So for 10 minutes, I was riding like a headless chook through the house, not knowing what to do. I was trying to see, you know, will there be another flight? Can I catch another flight either from Newcastle or, or Sydney? Can I still make this meeting? And... Uh, there was no other flight available. And then, as I was trying to, you know, to, to think through this, my wife said, uh, I mean, I was talking to my wife, and then I had this, this voice, this strong impression in my mind and in my heart, why don't you just go to the airport? Just, just go and see what happens. You know, that sounds really strange, mm. right? Because yeah. the plan was due to, you know, take off at six, and I live in Kurumbong, and 
So it's know. about an hour and a half to the airport from there, right? Oh, no, it's about like 50 minutes, 45 minutes, depending oh, on the traffic. Newcastle, okay. Yeah, yeah, Newcastle, sorry. Newcastle, God, I'm just yeah. in Sydney. Yeah, Newcastle Airport is like, you know what? I'll just, you know, get dressed, jump in the car and drive and see what happens. My wife was on the call trying to call the guys from Newcastle Airport, but she ended up talking somewhere else in another country in the world. <laughs> you know how the phone, you know, the yeah, calls yeah, get absolutely. connected to a different part of the world. Then there was no point and i was driving to the airport and i was thinking god i've stuffed it up i know it's my fault but if it's possible can you please delay this plane and now that that sounds a bit ridiculous and selfish i mean would god really delay a plane for one individual you know but the verse that we're looking at this this afternoon is before they call i will answer and the whole drive to, to the airport, I was just talking to God and I was recalling some of the, the stories that I read throughout the Bible that whole week. You know, and that week, so it happened that I read about Joshua. And Joshua, you've got this, this biblical character in the Old Testament that he prayed. And, you know, it, it appeared that, you know, the day got longer and the sun stood still. And, you know, he got to, to be victorious in his battle. And then you have the other character, Elijah. He prayed and fire came from heaven. So you've got these men and, and women of faith in the Bible, you know, they pray and great things happen. And I said to God, you know, Lord, I'm not worthy of your mercy. I'm not worthy of your grace. But if it's possible for you to do something, please come through and just rescue me from this situation. So I was driving, not knowing what's going to happen. And then uh, I think I had about another 15 minutes to go to the airport. And when it was safe, I was managed to see on, on an app that I had that the plane that was scheduled to take off at 6 a.m. was delayed by 30 minutes. Wow. Epic. It was incredible. I just could not believe it. So I kept driving, parked my car, went to the airport. And when I got there, people were just lining up to board the plane. Amen. And I was sitting in that plane that morning and I was pinching myself thinking, is this really happening? Have I just caught a plane that I thought I, I, I fully missed? And if it wasn't for the voice that was telling me, just go to the airport and mm -hmm. see what will happen. Because before we call, he will answer us. You know, there are many instances in life when we call and maybe the answer is not going to be the way we like it. But there are times when God really comes through in a big way. And you know, the story is not, not finished yet because, uh, I mean, the reason why the, the plane got delayed was because of the strong winds in Melbourne. You know, they didn't want to take off and not being able to land. Well, this is a great part in the story to build suspense and pause because we're going to go to the news.
welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck and Abel at the moment. Yes. Um, so, Abel, you were just in the middle of a very exciting story, and you were telling us how God had answered this prayer. He delayed this plane. You wound up there. You'd heard this. You know, had this urge, perhaps not an audible voice, but mm. you you mm. you had this impression that this voice was telling That's you right. go to the airport anyway. Yes. Even though you know, there's no way you're going to make your flight, you made the flight. But you were just telling us it was a windy day in Melbourne. You were flying from Newcastle Airport to Melbourne, and this is where we paused. So let's continue. Exactly. And I mean, just before we go any further, I want to just tell our listener, it's amazing that God is willing to help us even when it's our fault, mm-hmm. even when we stuff it up. He yes. is yeah. willing to come through. So I think one thing we can take away is that never hold back from reaching out to God. No Amen. matter what you've done, no matter where you are, where you're coming from, God is there. And as we read from this verse in Isaiah, it says, before they call, I will answer. Amen. You know, God has the answer prepared and He's willing to work and, and deliver in your situation. You know, we land perfectly fine in, in Melbourne. We have our meetings at nighttime. Uh, I, I was, you know, way before time in the airport, you know, making sure I'm boarding <laughs> the plane. An appropriate and, response. Exactly. You know, ready to, to return home. And as I was sitting next to some young blokes, uh, you know, we were chatting about various stuff and they were saying, man, it was really windy this morning. They were saying, you know, I was trying to ride my bike to work. One of them mentioned it was just nearly impossible. The winds were so strong. And I said, oh, funny you say that because I nearly missed my plane this morning. And I was trying to tell them, you know, I caught this plane from Newcastle to Melbourne. And I nearly missed it. And I said to them, look, I don't know, guys, if you believe in God or not, but I'm just going to you know, be upfront with you. I, I was in this difficult situation. And I said to God, God, if it's possible, can you please delay this plane so I can get it? And I um, uh, uh, said, you know, you had these winds in Melbourne and the plane was delayed in, uh, in Newcastle. So the guys, you know, sort of uh, reflected on, on my comments. And one of them said, Oh, that means next time when we're going to have strong winds in Melbourne, that means you're praying, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. I like that. (laughs) But, you know, you never know when you have an opportunity to testify to others about the the amazing way in which God is working, not only in us, but through us. And we are serving an amazing God. And and we need to pray big things, you know. He wants to to bless us. He wants to work through us. He wants to be a blessing to everyone that is around us. Mm. And, uh, you know, for our listeners, you know, whatever you're, you're going through, whatever you're struggling with, uh, the reality is that the answers may not always come the way we want. Mm-hmm. But what we need to keep in mind is that we're serving a faithful God that will always have our best interest in mind. And every answer will come from that perspective. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming and sharing with us, Abel. Is there anything else you'd like to tell our listeners? I keep praying. Keep praying. <laughs> keep praying. Keep praying. No, it's been such a blessing to have you and to hear your story. Uh, it is an amazing thing that God hears the prayers of humble people and not so humble people like us. And know? none of us deserve His answers, That's but He's exactly willing. Right. You know, and this is another testimony of His great love for That's us. That's it. That's it, man. So keep praying, guys. Keep praying. And uh, we're going to take a break here for a moment, and we're going to come back in for our Bible study. But uh, may God bless you. Thank you so much for your time. Bye, guys. Christ alone will I glory, though I could pride myself in battles won. For I've been blessed beyond measure, 
and by his strength alone I overcome. Why could stop and count successes like diamonds in my hand? But those trophies could not equal to the grace by which I stand in Christ alone. I place my trust and find my glory in the power of the cross. In every victory, let it be said of me, my source of strength. Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. We hope that you're enjoying the show so far. If you have any Bible questions for our Question of the Week segment, we'd love to hear from you. Please call us at 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or text in at 0491-064-669. Or they can hit us up on our Facebook page, can't they, Beck? Yes, absolutely. At Faith FM Australia. (laughs) We'd love to hear from you. So it has come my favorite portion of the show, the time for us to open God's Word. But before we do, we'd just like to start with a prayer. Would you like to pray for us, Beck? Yeah, let's do it. 
Father God, we come to you right now and I want to thank you for the opportunity that we have to open your word. We want to thank you that you can speak uh, to us through the words in scripture and you do that every time we read. We ask that you give us understanding, that you uh, fill us with your spirit and you lead us in where you want us to go with this conversation and bless everybody who's tuning in today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's amazing. I've never prayed on radio before. Well, now you have. Absolutely. All righty. So, by the way, we did that because we we always do that off air, Mm -hmm. but we thought it might be good for us to maybe set that example that we we should always be prayerful as we open God's word and ask for him to lead us Mm. that we may truly understand. Awesome. So we are looking at a woman in the Bible whose name is Rahab. So she's our hero of faith today. She's mentioned in the faith chapter, and we're going to get to that a little bit later. But we're turning to Joshua chapter 2 for a start here. Now, I just wanted to give a little bit of context to what we're going to talk about. So Rahab was a woman who was, pop quiz back, you ready? She was an Israelite, true or false? Ah, false. False. Okay, so where was she from? Well, I don't know exactly where she was from. Well, where was she living? (laughs) Sorry, she was living in Jericho. Living in a city named Jericho. Now, do you you know anything about the city of Jericho? Look, I probably know some things, and when you say them, I will agree, like, very wholeheartedly. (laughs) Yeah, look, that's probably what we're going to do. Okay, so the city of Jericho is a city in Palestine, and it is actually believed to be one of the oldest inhabited cities in the world, Mm -hmm. right? So it's a city that's still inhabited, right? And it is believed to be one of the oldest cities in the world. They've rebuilt it um, a number of times. Uh, It was also the city with the oldest known protective wall in the world. Wow. So if you think about this, this this city that we're going to talk about today and the wall around this city, this is the first city ever to be built with a protective wall around the boundary of the city, according to archaeology. This adds some interesting points, I think, to the story that we're going to look at today. So before we get to the story of Rahab in the city of Jericho, this is kind of a story that sits inside of a bigger story. And that bigger story for a bit more historical context is that Moses had led the Israelite people out of slavery in Egypt. And when Moses died, second in, well, not second in command, second in command at that stage after Aaron had had died as well, was Joshua. Joshua had been the leader of the army, and he's now taken Moses' place as the leader of Israel. And in the story, they come to the first place where they're supposed to go and do battle. God had said that there would be 400 odd years for all of the land of Canaan to basically repent and change their ways and to respond to God, but they had continued to live in heinous ways, child sacrifice, all sorts of um, temple prostitution was involved in all the different types of worship. There were lots of very despicable things that were happening regularly in their culture. And so God had decided that he was going to dispossess them of their land and put the Israelites there to, I guess, have a, a space in this part of the world, which was essentially the center of the known world at the time, kind of where all the trade routes from Africa and modern-day Europe and Asia would all come together to be a light for God in this place. Yeah, like a center of influence, basically, that's was what exactly they were supposed right. to be. And, um, that, yeah, that's such a cool thing to think of just then. It is. And so in the story, they've arrived 
at the border, the boundary of coming into Canaan, and Jericho is the first place that they are, they are told by God to go, and they're going to go and investigate the city and check it out before they go to battle. So we're starting in Joshua chapter 2, and this is the background of the story. So let's read from Joshua chapter 2, verse 1 through verse 3. Now Joshua the son of Nun sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy, secretly saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the country." All right, so what's happened in here so far? Yeah, so far it's just spies. It's basically Joshua sent out a couple of guys. Um, now, he was part of a group earlier, uh, many years before. He had gone out to spy the land, and he's like, look, we don't want too many. We want two faithful Isn't guys that to go into the city. Isn't that interesting? Um, and so he sends two faithful men to go there into the city. There were only two faithful in the previous story of out of the 12 spies. Yeah, so he's like, we're going to decrease the odds of uh, apostasy here and then you have two people going in. And so he sends them in to, to learn about the land and learn about the things that they might need to know to take over. Excellent. And, and then basically they they get seen, they notice that they're foreigners and this, they knock on this woman's door, Rahab, she's a harlot, uh, also known as a prostitute, and uh, they knock on her door for refuge. They, they're like, strange men come in here all the time. She might be someone who will let us in. And she lets them in, and now they're trapped in her house. All right, so the king has come to the position where he finds out somebody saw these foreigners come in, and what we're going to find out later in the story is that they were actually terrified of the Israelites because they had heard of all of the, the the miracles that God had performed in releasing them from Egypt, the ten plagues that had happened, the fact that the God had split the Red Sea, they'd walked through, the fact that these two groups had come to attack them and they defeated them. Um, so there was a lot of fear about this, this God who these people served. And so let's continue the story. So let's read from verse 4 through verse 7. Then the woman took the two men and hid them. So she said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And it happened as the gate was being shut when it was dark that the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. Then the men pursued them by the road to the Jordan to the fords. And as soon as those who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. All right, so she decides that in the little, we don't know how much conversation she'd had with these two spies. We don't know how much she really know about Israel and about the God of Israel. But what we do know is that with what she knew, mm -hmm. she decided at this point, and the, the law of the time, the, the Code of Hammurabi, which is one of the oldest laws in the world, we know that according to those laws, anybody found harboring spies would be put to death. Mm -hmm. So this was the, the, the risk that she was taking by hiding these people, but she throws her lot in, so to speak. She, she casts her vote with God, which is a powerful thing. She had heard the stories. She, she expresses that a bit later. They, they knew that the God of Israel had done the things that he had done, and she decides at this point, I'm going to choose to believe in this God. She doesn't know a lot, but what she does know is enough for her to say, I believe that God is the God. Yeah. And I'm gonna I'm gonna put my lot in with him, and so I'm gonna save these two men. I'm gonna I'm gonna hide them. Mm -hmm. 
I think for me, I find it so encouraging. We were talking earlier and I was saying, man, just the fact she didn't know very much at all proves that sometimes um, sometimes we put a lot of credit in knowledge and knowing things, and especially in today's world, everything on the internet, being able to know and find out things. But the thing is, we're not saved by what we know either in terms of salvation. We're not saved by knowledge base. We're saved by whom we know. We're saved by, by knowing Jesus. Um, and as we discovered last week, maybe she didn't know the name of Jesus, but she was learning about God. Mm. And she's like, I'm going to put my faith in this this uh, God that I'm, I'm learning about and going to put my trust in him. And I'm just going to have that faith. And it's kind of like what Abel was sharing with his story earlier, that we don't always know everything. We've made mistakes. Rahab was living a life as a prostitute. She made a lot of mistakes and poor choices. Um, maybe she was obviously trying to do the best that she could, but it's definitely not something that we think is the right thing to do. And in that, she still turned to God. And it's like God can use us through our mistakes. I find that so such a blessing. I love it. I love it. In spite of the the circumstances, God is able to still work in her life and God is still able to work in our lives. Yeah. And I love that. I love what you're pointing out there. It's so powerful. So powerful. I had something that was in my mind. I was trying to find it, but I can't remember what it was. But we're going to keep reading. Um, Verse eight, and let's just continue, and I'll just interrupt you when it's time. (laughs) Now, before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land. I know that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted, neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now therefore I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token, and spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. Woo! Oh, I love this. I love this. And I'm, I may have to just continue this point after we have a break. But this is so powerful. Like you said, knowledge is not the most important thing because the truth is knowledge that does not lead to decision is not useful knowledge. Yeah. We have a problem in school where we have what's called programmed non-response. We learn and then don't apply. And so therefore we teach ourselves that we don't need to apply to what we know, right? We don't need to choose or yeah. respond to something, but that's not what real learning or real knowledge is. But she sees this. She says, I know that this is the Lord. He is God in heaven. And so she casts her vote with him. She uses it to make a decision. This is Anna Beden, Genuine Love.
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. You are listening to Faith FM Radio. And before we get on with our Bible study, I just wanted Beck to tell you how you can call in if you've got a Bible question that you'd like to have us answer. Yes, we would love to have a question from you guys. So please call us. We'd like 15, actually. (laughs) Robbie would like 15. I might feel slightly overwhelmed, but we can answer them next week. So if you guys could call in on 1-800-324-843, that's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Text us on 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. Or hit us up on our Facebook page, Faith FM Australia. Awesome. So we're, we're back in the story of Rahab. So Rahab has just now stated something incredible. She says, I know, right? I know that the Lord has given you the land. I know it. I've heard the stories. In other words, I believe. But what's really cool is that she says here, the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. And because of that, so she makes a decision Now notice, she made her decision by saying, I'm going to protect and hide. I'm going to hide these spies. Now here's an ethical question. Yeah. She hides the spies and then she is asked, where are the spies? Mm -hmm. And so she lies to throw them off the scent perhaps or perhaps just to save her own skin because the death penalty was there if she were harboring spies. Is the way that she went about that necessarily the best way to go about it? I would say no. I don't have the answer for everything uh, or what she should, may or may not have done. But I sort of, I, I resonated with what Abel was saying 
in his testimony earlier that he felt an impression from God what to do. And she probably felt an impression from God to hide these spies, but then didn't know how to go about and continue. She was very new to hearing God's voice. And with my understanding, God asks us not to lie. He he doesn't condone lying, but what he does condone is faithfulness. And so what she knew, she was being as faithful as she could with the knowledge that she had. And my belief is that as she grew in her knowledge and understanding, she would make different decisions. And so we see in the New Testament, there are parts where there's um, people who are sharing about God, but they only have a small amount of knowledge. And so then people who know more, they take the, him aside and say, hey, this is this is everything. This is more knowledge that you need to know. Um, this is information that you're, you don't, you're not aware of yet. And then from that, he went and he preached a little differently because he learned more. And my view is that Rahab, had she known some of these things, she would then change and, and do things a little bit differently. But I really like what we had spoken about earlier with regards to Rahab is that she did what she could with what she had and what she knew. And so with what she knew, she tried to make the best decision possible. And I think that's such a key thing for people who have been believers for a long time to consider when we look at people who are new to faith, right? Everybody has a certain like knowledge base, for lack of a better word, experience base, an understanding of, of, of God's word and what his character really looks like. And so we've all learned significant amounts on that journey, even if it's been a small journey, or if you've been on that journey for 50 plus years, you've, learned, you've had opportunity to learn these things and it develops and trains you. And there are things that you would go about doing differently in the past if you could do them over, right? Mm -hmm. But it should give people who have faith a bit of uh, not just empathy, but patience and understanding for people who are making decisions with the best of their knowledge to follow Jesus. And we should be patiently encouraging and and prayerful and yeah, definitely, what's the word I'm looking for? Encouragement will do of people on that journey and assisting each other to grow closer and closer to Jesus. But I wanna, I wanna highlight that this woman, in spite of all of these things, that she had been a prostitute in her life, all of these things, she's mentioned in the faith chapter of Hebrews 11, because when she hid the spies, when she chose to hide them on her roof, she was throwing in her lot with God in the best way that she knew how, she surrendered that to Jesus and made a choice. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I love that. It's so powerful, because God is not like, like sometimes we read these stories and we forget that God gave this people 430 years to repent. And then they got an extra 40 years, by the way, because the Israelites wound up in the desert for 40 years. And the thing So that's that, almost 500 years to change their tune. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing that we see is that she actually did do that. Rahab did do that. And so what I wanted to maybe point out here is that all of the people had the same opportunity to turn. That's right. And I was listening to a pastor preach about this, and we're not going to spoil it, but say later when more of the people could have turned, had they turned at that point, God would have, have accepted them as well. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. All right, now let's keep reading because we've got a fair bit to get through. So how is this going to play out? So let's read verse 14 through verse 16. So the men Actually, just read through 20. <laughs> so the men answered her, Our lives for yours, if none of you tell this business of ours, and it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall. She dwelt on the wall. And she said to them, Get to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterward you may go your way. 
So the men said to her, We will be blameless of this oath of ours, which ye have made us swear, unless when we come into the land you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which ye let us down. And unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household to your own home. So it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we will be guiltless. And whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head, if a hand is laid on him. And if you tell this business of ours, then we will be free from your oath, which you made us swear. Awesome. So they go into this conversation. These men have now opportunity to be let out of a window and to run. So she says, hey, look, look, please rescue me and my family, right? I know that your God is the God. Please rescue us. So she's got repentance in her heart. She's choosing to side with God. Now check this out. This is so neat. There's this conversation that ensues, and so they say, okay, here's the, here's the boundary lines, right? Here's, here's the way that this will happen. We will defend you at sake of our own lives mm-hmm. if you do these things. First of all, you need to have your family all in the house. Now, this makes a lot of pragmatic sense. If they're not in the house, how are they going to know who's her relatives? Yeah, for sure. Right? Now, they need to also be able to pragmatically identify where her house is, Right? And to be able to tell that to the people, don't damage this place or anyone inside of it. It says that her house was in the wall, right? Her house was literally built into this wall, which again is the oldest walled city ever in human history. Her house was inside that wall. These Mm -hmm. were big walls. And so they say, you need to have everyone in here. If they're not in this place, then if, and if they die, that's, that's on their heads. Because we can't, we can't do that pragmatically. But there's also a great spiritual connection here. Mm-hmm. Does this sound reminiscent of any other stories in Scripture? It should, because it sounds a lot like the story of the Passover that happens in Exodus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because when sure. the Passover took place, God said, you need to be in your house. If you're outside of your house, when this angel comes through, then you, your firstborn children, they, your firstborn son, they, they will die. That will, that's the plague that's about to take place. But if you stay in the house and participate in the Passover and you put the blood of the lamb over the doorposts and the lintel, the, the crossbeam for your door, then the angel will pass you by and everyone will be protected by the sacrifice of the lamb, mm-hmm. right? This is all pointing forward to how Jesus will make atonement for all humanity and those who choose to accept that and respond by entering in will be covered. Right? Yeah. Now, what color was the cord that was thrown out of the window? Yeah, it was supposed to be scarlet. Scarlet red. or crimson, mm-hmm. right? The color of blood. Mm-hmm. So notice the connections here. What's happening here is that she's having a similar, you could call it a test, you could call it a decision, you could call it whatever you like. She's being put in a position where she has to then make a choice with the knowledge that she has. Mm-hmm. It says, we will do this. You will be saved if you have this red symbol hanging out the window. And everyone who's in your house will have this. And notice how similar it is to the very same thing that the people of Israel went through. And I love this because this means everyone has access. Yeah. But you have to choose to have access, right? You have to choose to access it, I should say. Mm -hmm. The access is available, but you're given free will to either respond to it or reject it. Yeah. And I love this because God is not in the business of coercion and force, but he allows you the opportunity to respond or to reject. And she chooses to respond. So let's keep reading. It's epic. I love this. All right, let's read to the end of the chapter. Then she said, according to your words, so be it. 
And she sent them away and they departed and she bound the scarlet cord in the window. No time lost there. That wasn't in the Bible. I put that in. (laughs) They they departed and went to the mountain and stayed there three days until the pursuers returned. The pursuers sought them all along the way but did not find them. So the two men returned, descended from the mountain and crossed over and they came to Joshua the son of Nun and told them all that what had befallen them. And they said to Joshua, Truly the Lord has delivered all the land into our hands, for indeed all the inhabitants of the country are faint-hearted because of us. All right, so what happens with the spies? They come back, right? They come back and they wind up in a position where they're, they're giving the report, they've, their lives have been saved, and they go and they talk to Joshua, the leader, and they tell him and spell out the details. Hey, we swore a promise to this woman who rescued us. That she would be saved if the if she did these things. This is how you will know it's her house. Now I want you to think about this. Her house is in the wall, and this is going to become very important in just a moment as we continue through. I know where you're going. Ah, hopefully that <laughs> is good. Um, so they they have this conversation, and then Joshua continues to make plans, and now the people are about to cross over the Jordan River and to enter into the land Mm -hmm. very close to Jericho. And I want you to take note of what happens here. Let's go to Joshua chapter 3, and let's read verse 14 through 17. So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan, with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water, For the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of the harvest, that the waters which came down from upstream stood still, and rose in a heap very far away, at Adam, the city that is beside Zaratan. So the waters that went down into the city of the Arabah and Salt Sea failed, and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel crossed over on dry ground, until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. Okay, so check this out. So the people are now called by God. We've, we're, we're skipping through bits of the story to get to the end. God tells them, this is what you're going to do. You're going to cross the Jordan. Now notice, it says that the river is in flood. Mm-hmm. You ever been in, near a river when it's in flood? Yes. You know, we heard Darren's story, was, I think it was last week. Uh, it might have been the week before. Mm-hmm. It's a scary thing when a river's in flood. Yeah, I've been right small. Look, where I've lived, they've not had massive rivers, but I've been to small creeks when they flooded, actually. And even just the water rushing by, and it's like five times the height that it normally is, and everything is going through. You're like, this is a lot of water. And it's very easy to drown in that kind of context. The water's flowing swifter. There are all sorts of, uh, I'm thinking of outdoor rec terms. There's what we call strainers. There's things that the water is running over that you can get entrapped in and drown. It's not safe to have all of these soldiers come across here. But God says, take the Ark of the Covenant where his presence resided, where the the Ten Commandments were kept, where the rod of Aaron and one jar of manna were kept. He says, the priests are going to take this out. And when they touch the water, this river that is in flood that flows out to all of these lakes like the Salt Sea, etc., it's going to stop. And a miracle happens and it stops until all of them go across Mm -hmm. and it says that the priest stood there in the middle while everyone crossed on dry land. Does this sound reminiscent of any miracles? Yes, the Red Sea crossing. The crossing of the Red Sea. God is replicating a mirror image of this to demonstrate that the God who was with Moses is the same God who is with Joshua. 
And so this report comes to Jericho because they're within sight. People see this and the report goes. And so they are even more terrified. But in the midst of their terror that this God is who he is, no one is willing to repent. They keep the gates closed, they keep it shut, and they're trying to defend and protect their city and their way of life rather than choosing to accept a different way of life that God has for them. Mm. Let's go to chapter 5, verse 1, because this is their response. Let's read 5, verse 1. So it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over that their heart melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. All right, so how did they respond when they when they got the news of what was really happening? It's just their heart melted. They were very distressed. Right, I, I picture like the, the, the wicked witch from the West. I'm melting! <laughs> right. They were petrified. They were absolutely terrified because this was confirmation that the miracles that they had heard about happening 40 years before are still happening with this people. God is still with his people. He's still leading them, and they don't want any part of it. And so they get on the defensive, and we're going to find out what happens to the city and Rahab when we come back. This is Micah Tyler, Different. I don't want to hear anymore. Teach me to listen. I don't want to see anymore. Give me a vision. You could move this heart to be set apart I don't need to recognize the man in the mirror Cause I don't want to trade your plans for something familiar I can't waste a day Cause I can't stay the same I want to be different I want to be changed Till all of me is gone And all that remains Is a fire so bright The whole world can see That there's something different So come and be different In me I don't want to spend my life Stuck in a pattern And I don't want to gain this world But lose what matters And so I'm giving up Everything because I want to be different I want to be changed Till all of me is gone And all that remains Is a fire so Something different So come and be different Oh 
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. You're listening to Faith FM. And if you have any Bible questions, how can they do that? This is the last opportunity, so we're hoping that you will jump on the dial. (laughs) Text them through with your rapid fingers. So call Safely, us. of course, if you're driving, use Siri or something and or yeah. get, you know, get someone else to do it. That's probably the safest thing. <laughs> if you have any questions, give us a call on 1-800-324, that's 843, 1-800-FAITH-FM, or text us on 0491-064-669, 0491-064-669, or go to Facebook, Faith FM Australia. Awesome. So we're going to continue on in our story about Rahab. And they've crossed the Jordan, speaking of the Israelites, and now we're into Joshua chapter 6. And in Joshua chapter 6, it says the angel of the Lord, who we know to be Jesus, has come to Joshua and given him instructions about what to do. And this is the crazy plan that God has for them to go about the city. And there's going to be some cool points that come out of this. So let's read Joshua chapter 6, verse 11 through 17. So he had the ark of the Lord circle the city, going around it once. Then they came to the camp and lodged in the camp. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. Then seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets. And the armed men went before them, but the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord, while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp, and so they did six days. All right, let's pause there for a moment. So if you didn't catch that, this was the big plan. Every day for six days, you're going to take the Ark of the Covenant, these priests, seven of them blowing ram's horns, they're going to walk, and the army's going to walk and not say a single word, not a sound, not a peep out of your mouth. You're going to walk around the outskirts of the entire city, probably at a distance too far for arrows. And then once you've circumnavigated the city, you're going back to camp and that's it for the day. You're going to do that one, two, three, four, five, six days they do this. Six days, all right? Mm-hmm. But on the seventh day, you're going to do something different. Let's read that next section. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day only they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened when the priests blew the trumpets that Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction and it and all who were in it. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all who are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. All right, so he says, this is what's going to happen. We're going to do it seven times around today, and at that time, you're going to hear the trumpet blast and every man shout. And what are they supposed to shout? I don't remember what it says. No, it just says shout. Sorry, I thought I got my stories mixed up with Gideon. He says, shout, for the (laughs) Lord has given you the city. Uh So check this out. In verse 20, it says that this is what they do. The people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets, and this is what happens to the city. Just picture this in your mind. Mm -hmm. It happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Question, where's Rahab's house? Yeah, she's in the wall. She's in the wall. Everywhere of the city's wall collapses with the exception Mm -hmm. of one section. Yeah. Rahab's house. Yeah, it's so cool. Can you imagine walking away from this after the battle? 
They go in, they win the battle, it's all done. And Rahab's life is saved. Mm-hmm. Imagine being Rahab and her family when they walk out of this place and when they look back over the rubble as they join the Israelites because we find out in a moment that they became, or at least she did, a part of the Israelite people and mm-hmm. continued to follow God and, and continued on that journey for the rest of her life, that when they looked back, there was only one section standing. God had preserved their life miraculously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? it's so cool. It's so cool that um, something that God does is a miracle for her. I think even even maybe bigger than what the Israelites were doing. So they're like, we're going to protect you. But God was saying, nah, maybe that's not enough. Maybe I just want to protect her by keeping it standing still that everybody knows. Because it could have been anyway. He could have done anything to protect them. But keeping that monument, that section of the wall, actually we'll find out later in archaeology that they found a section of the wall that didn't fall, which is so cool for our day to look back on history and be like the Bible is true. It's an accurate record of what happened. It's so powerful, man. And then in verse 22, it says, well, do you want to read 22 through 25? Mm Mm-hmm. But Joshua had said to the two men who had spied out the country, go into the harlot's house and from there bring out the woman and all that she has as you swore to her. And the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers and all that she had. So they brought out all her relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. But they burned the city and all that was in it with fire. Only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household, and all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Awesome. She's saved because she chose. Yeah. Right? She chose to put her trust in God. She made that decision, and God preserves her life. There's a supernatural event that happens and cracks the wall and sends all of the rest of the perimeter of the city flat, and God preserves her section alone with only her family in it, and they are preserved. Yeah. Such a beautiful story. Something from that which I really love is that she's saved by her faith, but also her family is then saved. They have access to the saving grace as well. And so the influence that you can have if you are saved is you can now share what you know about God with others, and he will use that to draw them to him as well. And then she saved the spies. To me... Rahab is a very unlikely hero, a very unlikely heroine, and she saves herself, the spies, and her family. And it's such a cool story. It's such a cool story. I love, I love that, you know, they had choice too. They had to choose to stay in, like all of her family made a choice as well. Yeah. They chose to stay in the house mm-hmm. rather than to go outside. If they'd gone outside, they would have been lost. Yeah. But I love this. They, they chose to respond as well. And because of her influence, they had opportunity to do so. Mm-hmm. It's such a powerful thing. Yeah. Because who, who would want to do that otherwise, right? You've got the whole tide of the culture around you saying one thing, and you've got one person who says something else. It wouldn't have been a popular thing to do, but they put their trust in God because Amen. of her testimony. So cool. So cool. Now, I want to highlight just two other things. Like there's, there's three passages where Rahab is mentioned in the New Testament. But I want to go to Matthew chapter 1, verse 5, because I think ugh, this is just such a crucial point, and we're going to have a moment to talk about some of these things later. But Matthew chapter 1, verse 5 is an important genealogy. Now, some of the time we go through the Bible, we come through these places where you got a genealogy. This person had this son, and this person had this son, and then they had this son, and it's really boring and disinteresting, right? Like, everybody struggles to read these things until... 
you find some of the powerful, I guess, lessons that can come out of some of these genealogies. Mm -hmm. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 5, it says, in verse 1, actually, it says, the book of the genealogy of who? Jesus. Of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, it's interesting to note. It says, Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. Jacob begot Judah. And I won't, I won't make you go through the whole thing. It goes through and it lists father, son, father, son, father, son. And it's going all the way through this list until you get to Jesus Christ. And it shows how he's coming back from Abraham in this genealogy. And it goes all the way back to Adam in uh, Luke. But here in verse 5, there, there are five women mentioned in this genealogy. Only five. Mm-hmm. And notice who comes up in verse 5. It says, Salmon, or Salmon, begot a man named Boaz by Rahab. Rahab. So cool. Rahab was the mother of Boaz. Boaz begot Obed, Obed Ruth, Obed Jesse, Jesse David the king, right? And then it goes all the way down to Jesus Christ. And I want to highlight something. This woman is in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. He had her blood running through his veins, right? Mm -hmm. Like her DNA is in the line. And this is such a powerful point. This is a woman who was not a member of God's people, but because she put faith in God, she chose and she was brought into the people of God. And none of us have any kind of birthright or privilege that says we should be in God's kingdom and God's family and we should be saved. No. We have the opportunity to respond because God has extended in Jesus Christ the opportunity for every soul to be saved. And whether we choose to exercise faith and respond to his grace or, or not is up to us. We get to choose whether we want to enter into that family. Rahab chose and she becomes one of the, one of the ancestors of Jesus. Life is like a game and a nice guy's finish last They know attention to rules, they were made for fools To get ahead you're gonna be real fast But the big letdown is bound to come When you can't find peace of mind Not the kind of peace that this old world gives They need peace of a different kind God made the rules and he wrote them all down And he gave them to all mankind You can live your way but soon or later you pay If you try living over the line There are a lot of good books that'll make you anything From a lawyer to a gourmet cook But my friend I want to tell that when all else fails Why don't you try reading God's book? That we face in his life That's not covered in his blessed true book And telling how we should live And how to win in the end We just all to take a time to look Why you suffer the pain Mistakes will bring When you try to play the game you way Whenever there's a doubt Check the rule book out You need to see what it has to say God made the rules And he wrote them all down And he gave them to all mankind You can live your way But sooner or later you pay If you try living over the line There are a lot of good books That will make you anything From a lawyer to a gourmet cook 
But my friend, I want to tell that when all else fails, why don't you try reading God's books? But my friend, I want to tell that when all else fails, why don't you try reading God's books? Well, God made the rules and He rolled them all down and He gave them to all mankind. You can live your way, but sooner or later you pay if you try living over the line. There are a lot of good books that will make you anything from a lawyer to a gourmet cook. But my friend, I want to tell that when all else fails, why don't you try reading God's book? But my friend, I want to tell that when all else fails, why don't you try reading God's Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. You're listening to Faith FM, and it has come that time of the day for, well, question of the week. All right, so the question this week, we've got a few coming. So we're not going to get through all of them today, but um, so we got a few questions that we're going to go through, but one of those we're going to get to next week, and that's uh, a question on Colossians 2.16 from Peter. Thank you so much for your question, mate. We'll get to that next week, so make sure you listen in. Um, the questions for today start with, what is the Bible and who wrote it? Mm-hmm. So there's two verses. I'll get you to look one up, Beck, while we're at it. The first is 2 Timothy 3.16-17, through 17, and I'll get you to look up that one. And I'm going to look up 2 Peter 1.19-20. through 20. Um, 21, excuse me. And so the Bible is the collection of books because the Bible is actually a collection of 66 books. Mm-hmm. It's like a little library. It is. In, in, in fact, that's in, in Spanish, Biblia is kind of where you get into the library. Anyway, um, same Latin base. Cool. Uh, so, <laughs> sorry, I'm just trying to talk and find pages. Do you have that that's, one for I us? I do have that Awesome. One Can too. you read Timothy for us? 2 Timothy 3 verse 16. Is that it? Yep, 16 and 17. (laughs) All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Awesome. So according to this, it says that the Bible is a collection of works that are written that are inspired by God. The word in the Greek actually means God breathed, literally that all scripture is God breathed. Mm-hmm. Interesting. What is the word for Holy Spirit, right? Numa. Right? So, spirit, breath, mm-hmm. same thing. When we see it in the Hebrew, same thing. Breath and spirit are the same word. Mm-hmm. So, very interesting. It's talking about the spirit. And in 2 Peter 1, verse 19 through 21, it says this as well. It says, and so we have the prophetic word confirmed which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place. In other words, you should pay attention to the word of God until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. And then he says this, knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Now take note here that prophecy does not just refer to foretelling future events. A prophet is someone who delivers a message given from God to the people. Yeah. Right? The prophet is the person who receives the message from God and gives it to the people. So the Bible is a collection of writings that were inspired by the Holy Spirit. And there's, I guess it's a continuum of, of what people believe about 
how that was inspired, whether it was word for word or thought inspiration. I believe it was thought inspiration that God inspired the writers, and this is why, and they all wrote in their own words, yeah. which is why you have such variation in, in vocabulary, sure. et cetera, based on education. Yeah. But the Holy Spirit inspired them to write it. So it was written over a 1,600-year span. There's 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament, written by approximately 40 authors, different authors, written on three different continents. You got the Old Testament, the New Testament, two Testaments, but you have a same unified story all throughout, and that's the story of salvation. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's a really beautiful thing that this is how the Bible came about. It was actually the Holy Spirit inspired these individuals to write these things, and they were collected and kept by the Jews and then by the early Christians and continued to be verified through apostolic tradition, etc., that this these were the words that came from these people that God inspired. Mm-hmm. So there you have it. That's what the Bible is and who wrote it. Yeah. Next cool. question. Cool. So we have another question, which is just some thoughts which we're going to ponder on and discuss a little bit, is that can people who have never heard about Christ be saved? Which is a big question. And so for me, I believe they can. Um, and there's a few different reasons that I believe they can. And one of those is that scripture testifies that people can know of God entirely through creation and through the world that we live in. So Psalm 19 verses 1 to 4 says that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. What's firmament, Robbie? Uh, Firmament is the heavens, essentially. Yeah. We could get into more detail on that, but Mm -hmm. we probably don't have the time. Yeah. But essentially the sky, the stars, the vault of the heavens. Yeah. And it says there is no speech or language where their voice is not heard to the end of the world. And it says in Romans 1 verse 10 as well that since the creation of the world, God, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made and even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. And it shows, it, this emphasizes God's visibility to humans through his attributes and nature present in the world. Now, this, this is a great point, and it's affirmed Old Testament, New Testament, that everybody has access to some level of knowledge of the true God. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't say that they have all access to all knowledge, but let's be honest, none of us know everything about God. Yeah. Even the most, you know, Bible-based, well-learned person mm-hmm. doesn't know everything about God. Yeah. Paul talks about this yes. in 1 Corinthians, right, where it's being revealed. But, yeah, but that, everybody has access to some knowledge of God. There is No one has excuse to say, I didn't mm-hmm. know anything about God. It leads to um, people who have not heard about God, so have not heard about Christ, sorry. So Rahab today, she was saved, and she hadn't heard about Jesus at that point. She didn't know who Jesus was or anything about him. Um Many of the Old Testament patriarchs as well had not heard directly about Christ or his name. So Moses, for example, um, there are a lot of these patriarchs in the Bible who knew about God but didn't know about Jesus. And I believe that where we are, God positions us so that we can seek God and we can be saved wherever we are. And maybe people are in a place where they don't know and don't have that opportunity, but God judges them based on the knowledge that they have opportunity to have. So in Acts 17, verse 26 to 28, it says, God has positioned us and has determined our pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwelling so they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him. 
And so with my thinking, God has placed every individual in a place where they have opportunity to come to a knowledge of God and find him. This means that people who haven't heard of God might still come to a knowledge of him so that they can be saved. I love it. Revelation 13 verse 8 adds an extra a point to confirm this. And this says that he performs, oh, so 13 verse 8, not 13 verse 13. It talks about Jesus. It says, all who dwell on the earth will worship the beast in this context, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. And one thing that I think is important to note here is that Jesus paid for the sins of all people for all time. Mm-hmm. And people, all of us have free choice and to choose whether we respond to that. Not everybody has had equal access to the same amount of knowledge, the same amount of learning. But the Holy Spirit is at work in every person, believer, non-believer. He comes and convicts the world of righteousness and judgment, mm-hmm. etc., and sin. And our choice to respond to the promptings of God's Holy Spirit will either condemn or, uh, forget the other word, but declare us righteous in God's eyes. <laughs> David faced a giant so defiant He sent grown men running Moses loved speech, asked to preach And free the Israelites Prophet named Elijah, prayed down fire On water-drenched altar What's your Goliath? What do you fear?
yet. Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. Um, all right, so we've come to the end. I just wanted to, I, I didn't actually finish my statement there at the end, so I should finish it now. Um, our, our decision to respond to the Holy Spirit's prompting is actually what, at the end of the day, is going to make our decision, mm-hmm. right? So if someone hasn't had the same opportunity as me, does that mean they're automatically lost? No, it doesn't. But is it better for everyone to hear of Jesus? Yes, because you're much more likely, I think, to respond to God the more clear a picture you have of him. But God is a fair judge, and in the end, God will judge people according to what they know. Mm-hmm. All right, moving into application from Rahab's story, and then we're going to close up here with our last five minutes. So what can we draw out of Rahab's story for our own lives, real life present day. Yeah. Do you have anything for us, Beck? Yeah. Something we have is that God's spirit is drawing all of us to him. Um, He's trying to save everyone. So he's drawing us to him. And if we choose to step into that and we choose to believe, our faith begins and it starts to grow. But from that, just like a plant needs water and sunshine and care to grow, faith also grows through use and it grows through hearing God's word. Mm -hmm. And so if you have thoughts, you have questions, if you feel that God is drawing you to him, then don't stop there and just think, oh, this is it. Think, I want to go deeper. I want to know more. And exercise your faith. Spend time reading the Bible, asking questions and growing. And as you grow, you will come to a saving faith because you know, you have a knowledge on which to base it. Awesome. Another point that I think is is really valuable out of this story is that you know, freedom is really the only thing that we have. And in, in terms of, let me let me let me let me clarify that not everyone has lots of freedoms. There are lots of freedoms that many people don't have. But our freedom to choose is really I mean that's really all that we have and that's what separates us from the rest of the animal kingdom is our ability to choose. Mm-hmm. And that's a gift of God's grace anyway. But God doesn't force us. And so when I look at this story, I see Rahab as somebody who makes that choice. And we need to be cognizant of what choices we do make. Because every day we're, we're choosing whom we will serve. And here's the God of the universe who puts everything on display and he says, look, I am good. I am faithful. I am loving. I am kind. I am just. I'm all the things that you wish for and more. And really, the ball is in our court. Are we going to choose to step out in faith to get to know him more? And there are times where he will lead us. And like Rahab, she had to make a choice. She could harbor the spies at risk of her own life, or she could not harbor the spies. And ultimately, it was a risk that she was willing to take because she put trust in God. That was a step of faith. Yeah. And God saved her. And so I think that it's important for us to recognize and take take stock of how important our own decisions really are. Sometimes we forget Mm -hmm. how important little decisions can be. But today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. So don't put it off. You're not promised tomorrow. You really are not. So like I, I, I say this a lot, but I could literally go out and I could die on the drive home. I mean, that would be a bummer. But it might happen. You are not guaranteed today. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. So, mm-hmm. so choose today what you want the rest of your life to be. Choose today whom you will serve, whom you will believe and put your trust in. Yeah. There was another application point that I had from today. And just thinking about Rahab and her story and maybe we glossed over a little bit about her being a prostitute and a harlot and having this sin and these problems in her life. And what I wanted to point out is that God can use all 
anyone and he uses all of us who have sin in our life and have problems. And I want to encourage people that maybe they felt that they've gone too far from God. Maybe they felt that they've sinned too far and they can't be used. But I wanted to encourage you with Rahab's story that how she sinned really deeply, but she was now she's now somebody who's written um, in the Bible her story as an example and encouragement. And she became part of the lineage of Jesus. The Savior of the world was born through her line. And God did that on purpose and put her name in the Bible on purpose as an encouragement and to show his mercy and his grace and his salvation for everyone. And I want to encourage you that if you've had a past and a history, we all have, but God wants you to still be used by him. Amen. I love that. God's intention, and we say this a lot, but his intention is that all repent and are saved. So come to Jesus. Bring others to Jesus. I think another point, and we drew this out earlier, is that if you are a believer in Jesus, you are a follower of God, you have the opportunity to be a witness to those around you. Rahab's family was saved because they responded to the testimony that she had borne. There was opportunity there. Amen. And how many more people could have been saved if they had responded? Uh, this, uh, the verse in Hebrews 11 says this about Rahab. It says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And so we all, like you said, we all have a colored past. You know, some of us might be more colorful than others based on our own standards, but nobody's past is perfect. Mm-hmm. And we, we have the opportunity to put our trust in Jesus. It's by faith. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're listening, put your trust in Jesus Take that step of faith. Take the next step, whatever that next step is. Put your trust in him because faith, you know, we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus. And that that opportunity is available to all of you. So we encourage you to do that. Remember, real faith is lived faith. faith.